Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six. I never thought there'd be an episode six, but here it is. You just can't predict the future. And every day is an adventure. Let's Hello, everyone. This is John Freakin' Smith. Welcome back to Flight Path Studios. This is in episode six, and that surprises me as much as it may surprise you. Let's go for the chorus here. trying this new thing where I'm just going to do a, one of my tunes as an intro every week. Uh, I mean, every, well, every podcast, I'll just do another one of those tunes since they're not uh, actually out in the marketplace at the moment. It's the only place you'll get a sample unless you go to my website, which is johnfreakinsmith.com. That particular track is called Chinese Zoom Lens, by the way. Also, uh, I'm going to make a little background music for my own podcast. Um, some of them are just instrumental covers, uh, just messing around. And uh, and then also I've found some interesting music for uh, background music for the podcast. Uh, some found stuff, as they say. And I'll throw that in here as time goes along. So I mentioned in my last podcast that uh, I was just getting... I thought my little health issues were maybe not interesting to people and... But then I thought, well, there may be some other people out there that are experiencing what I am, and uh, they want to deal with it. So I'll tell you fairly briefly what's going on. I had these heart arrhythmias, and they're terrible when they happen. You're, it puts you down for hours at a time. You feel terrible. You can't do anything. It's anxiety-provoking. I mean, if you imagine the rhythm exhibited by the drunk middle-aged white guy at the Christmas party dancing with the good-looking receptionist who doesn't know that she's being danced with. That is a sense of what happens to the, the heart, the rhythm of the heart exhibits. It's just a spastic flopping around that's, you know, god-awful. Uh, so I went to the doctor. He said, uh, he sent me to a specialist, a, a heart timekeeper people. And uh, he said the first thing he wanted me to do was to uh, lose some weight and lower my cholesterol. So for the next six months, I did that. I lost about 25 pounds. And it turns out that by changing my diet, I also lowered my cholesterol by 49 points. So I thought that might be the interesting thing for other people. Uh, I did that by basically cutting out red meats, uh, sticking with fish and chicken, eating a ton of salads and maybe the most important part was a big bowl of oatmeal. I use steel cut oats but I think the other kind work as well. There's just a slightly better glycemic index with steel cut every morning and uh, so I achieved that and I went back but I was still having these arrhythmias despite that so then the doctor went all right uh, I'm going to put you on this medicine. So he put me on this medicine. Well, 
then I still was having some, even though it was better, still having some arrhythmia episodes. They usually happen after a workout. Uh, but I didn't want to stop working out since, you know, it's fairly important to health in general. So he upped my dosage to the maximum dose. And uh, then they were much better still. But uh, I still had some as far as even the beginning of last month. But for this last month, <clears throat> excuse me, for this last month, I haven't had any episodes. And I've been working out every single day. And it's fantastic not to have to worry about it. Um, when, I, when I have those episodes, I'll take use one of those little handheld devices to take an EKG of it uh, and see what kind of horrible thing it looks like. Uh, I haven't had to do that in like a month. I'm knocking on wood. So grateful. Um, because the next step, if that doesn't work, is uh, what they call ablation. And that's where they go into your heart and basically fry the parts of your heart, I think with a laser, or maybe they freeze it too, it depends, uh, that is causing the electrical circuit to malfunction. Well, as you can imagine, any medical procedure is expensive. Any contact with the medical community is expensive. So I didn't want that. But before I could even do that, the doctor said I had to check to see if I have sleep apnea. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to find out if I have sleep apnea, it's going to cost me, I forget, six, eight hundred dollars, six hundred dollars maybe. I don't remember exactly, but I didn't know it was going to be that bad before I mentioned to the sleep doctor that I was having a little wheezing at the time. So maybe I should, she said, well, you can get a chest x-ray said okay let's do that because you know I don't want anything horrible going on and that's can be one of the side effects of the medicines I'm on is that they can cause some wheezing but you know I didn't get super healthy until my late 40s or 50s so it could have been anything horrible uh, so I went and got that done nothing wrong chest x-ray looks good in fact even my heart looked better than it had from a previous x-ray in 2005 and I got the bills for that it was like $400 for a, for a chest x-ray holy crap uh, and then let me just explain all of the stuff that led up to the uh, dealing with this heart doctor begin with first of all I had to take a stress test because he couldn't put me on the medicine without first ascertaining whether there was a structural issue with my heart um, and then uh, so that costs I, my insurance is terrible it's five thousand dollars deductible and then after five thousand dollars they only pay eighty percent so all of that's out of my pocket that was thirty six thirty nine hundred dollars something along those lines just to get on a damn treadmill for a few minutes so I, I had to do that just to get the prescription that is now maybe working, I hope. Uh, but anyway, my doctor said, I told him that, and he was, just shook his head and he said, don't blame me, I voted for Bernie. Yeah, we have got to do something about our medical situation. I mean, as a country, and my wife and I personally. 
Anyway, so that's the story with that. Oatmeal, if you're trying to lower your cholesterol. A lot of salad, a lot of vegetables, no red meat. Boom. In other news, in John freaking Smithland, I am sad to report that our 2000 Maxima has officially died at 156,000 miles. We now owned two vehicles, neither of which are from this century. The funny thing is, uh, the week before that car officially died, and I have been maintaining it, by the way, with synthetic oil, and it has gone into the shop every time it had even a hiccup that I knew of. Uh, the week before it died, this guy at the parking lot stopped and, oh, is that a 2000? Oh, I love those things. They'll never die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's dead. Our new neighbors have moved in next door. I think they may be members of the uh, Witness Protection Club. I think there's a man and a woman and a child. I only know that because the child escaped and said hello to me through the fence one time. But the windows in their luxury vehicles are highly tinted and they always park in the garage and they never seem to go outside when I see them. It's a very mysterious situation. They have a German Shepherd that is like the kind of German Shepherd that they use to uh, to patrol the uh, Stalag 17 kind of places. It just runs along the perimeter barking like, oh my god, shit's gonna happen here sooner or later. Someone's gonna come by and, and impinge on our perimeter. So that's enjoyable to listen to that thing barking perpetually whenever they let it out, but they don't let it out very often, thankfully. My dog goes out there, and she's a good watchdog too. But she, if that dog goes and barks at somebody going by, if the neighbor's dog does, she'll go out and she'll help out. But when that dog passes by, I mean, when that person passes by, my dog shuts up, and that dog just keeps barking. And my dog will go and lie down and just stare at the barking dog, who will then decide to run to the back of the property and bark there just in case somebody's going to show up like they did in the front of the house. Then it goes to the other side and it just sparks over there. Then my dog looks at me like, what the hell is wrong with that animal? <laughs> yeah. This episode, by the way, like the past episode, is brought to you by Life Begone Crematoriums. Uh, you know, if you've got some stubborn belly fat, and over 30 billion Americans do, I just made that up. It's probably more like 75 million Americans have stubborn belly fat. I know Marie Osmond had some at one point. One of the best ways to lose stubborn belly fat is decomposition. Once you begin decomposing, I guarantee you'll lose that stubborn belly fat. And then you say, well, what do I do after I've decomposed? Well, you die when you start decomposing. In fact, it's a prerequisite for decomposing is that you must die, and that's, that's how you lose the, the belly fat. And that after you die, a great way to take that new svelte body of yours, a corpse in this case, is, is to take it to Life Begone Crematorium, where it'll turn it into a beautiful, beautiful ashy powder that can be, it's portable, it can be taken anywhere, really. It's like uh, you can take it to the mountains and, and throw it up there, or you can uh, throw it out on the ocean, over palm trees. Take a trip to Hawaii and have your ashes strewn about. It's all possible thanks to Life Begone Crematorium. 
it's past the state penitentiary. If you uh, see the urgent wound care clinic, you've gone too far. Life begun. Go ahead and die today. It's never been a better time. Speaking of sponsorships, I listened to Bill Burr's uh, podcast the other day. <laughs> and one of the funniest things about his podcast is to imagine the faces of his sponsors when he reads their advertising copy. <laughs> and just, you've got to listen to it. I urge you to listen to Bill Burr's podcast and his treatment of the advertising that sponsors his show. It's, it's something kind of magical. Another podcast I'm going to give a shot is uh, a shot to again is the Chris D'Elia uh, podcast. I, I listened to one. I'll be back to listen to another. I'm still trying to get a handle on that. Uh, also, and this is key, I've got to give uh, some support to some friends I've never met over in California, the JNT Baggers uh, Just in Time podcast. These guys... Uh, they're very, I guess you would say, casual. They don't really have a script. They don't really have a plan, which is part of the reason they're so endearing. And uh, basically, they just get stoned and record is what happens. Uh, and their their associations, their free-form thought processes, uh, plus the sound effects of bongs, is, uh, is pretty entertaining. I listen to them when I go for a walk and uh, just crack up all by myself. They also use uh, one of my songs as their intro, I'm proud to say, and it makes a nice intro for them. Uh, it's really kind of kind of perfect for them. Uh, so I'm glad about that. But give them a try just in time. They're also on Twitter, I think, JNT Baggers, or maybe it's JNT Podcast on Twitter, and they're on Instagram, stuff like that. So give those guys a shot. I find them very, find them enjoyable. Oh, now it's that special time. Let's take a moment. And now, Musings with John Frickin' Smith. I just don't feel like those people who offer lifetime warranties on walk-in tubs are putting themselves in a lot of jeopardy. Musings. What else? Uh, in other news, I'm uh, now on page 44 of uh, Screenplay, which means I think I'm only about 56 pages away from becoming a waiter, so pretty pumped about that. I'm not even going to bother with a segue on this one. Like a lot of people, I'm really horrified at the concept of trophy hunting. I just, I can't understand the mind that, that would do that. So I started to think of, uh, you know, rather than being all judgy and outraged about it, what could we do to, uh, to fill whatever need it is in trophy hunters that makes them go out and do this and take a life uh, in order to satisfy that need? What could we do to provide them with what they're after without having to kill uh, an innocent animal. Um, and I came up with a thought. But in the meantime, before I put it fully together, uh, I learned about a program called VitaDart. And they have VitaDart safaris, and as I understand it, how it works is they identify animals uh, for safaris that in, it was in Africa, obviously, uh, that need uh, vitamins. I think it's in Africa, maybe elsewhere. And uh, they take hunters on this safari. They shoot the animals with a tranquilizing dart. Then the hunter can pose 
can pose with the animal, because the animal is knocked out, it appears as if it's dead, then they give the animal a vitamin shot, uh, and then somebody is there to make uh, like a 3D uh, special effects person, like a, a Hollywood kind of class of special effects. They uh, make a, a head, out of, a replica head from this animal that the hunter gets to keep. And then uh, the animal wakes up and goes on his business and the hunter is satisfied and uh, the animal comes out the better for it. So I have a thought that might be able to add to that. My idea is this. Uh, I had read an article that was psychologists trying to figure out why people did trophy hunting. And according to this article, a large part of it is to prove that they're wealthy enough that they can go ahead and pay for a safari and and uh, prove to the rest of humanity that they can just blow money like this. And I don't know, I still don't get it, but that's what the, that's what the psychologist said about it. And I was thinking, okay, they need bragging rights. That's what they're after. And they're totally willing to kill an animal for that. How can we provide uh, that thrill for them without having to sacrifice an animal? And my thought is this. It's the same deal with shooting them with, uh, with a dart to put them out. That's the same part. The other thing is that you provide, uh, you track them, you put a tracker on them. And uh, I'd seen that IBM had done a, a study on tracking antelopes and how it actually stopped poachers. So that's another element of how it ties in. I guess they figured out what the movements were of the herds and then, then they knew where the poachers were. I'll have to find that article again. It was actually an ad that they did. But so you put the tracker on them. Now, if you added that to the previous idea of the VitaDart, then this person could go home and they would be able to just call up on their phone and say, here's the animal. This is the animal that I tracked down and shot in safari. He's over here right now. And you could have a little map that called it up on an app. But the more important part of it is that we could make uh, celebrities not make offers for celebrities uh, to put their money where their mouth is on the cause of trophy hunting and they could provide as a prize because it's obviously to make uh, the as far as would be more expensive for this but the trophy hunters want to prove that they got the money to do that so they buy the safari and because they spent more for it a celebrity goes with them Ricky Gervais goes on the safari with them and uh, they tranquilize the animal make the head like with the VitaTart program, uh, pose with the picture, and then the animal is tracked. And they get to brag to their friends, yeah, I went on a special safari with blah, 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 whoever the celebrity is, Ricky Gervais is in this case, that I mentioned as an example. Um, but nobody else will be able to brag about that. So that satisfies their bragging need, their need to blow a ridiculous amount of money, and the animal still lives. So that's my idea to combine with the VitaDart safaris. The music you've been hearing is uh, demo tracks from portable keyboards. I think it's kind of useful stuff for podcasts. But I think I'm out of stuff to say. Well, you know, I think actually I'll just uh, get ready to close on out of here. Uh, if you want to call John Frickin' Smith, you can call and leave a message at 762 762-847-0620. 762-847-0620. I'm on Twitter as uh, J Freakins, J F R E A K I N S. 
even though my actual name is F-R-I-C-K-I-N-S-M-I-T-H. But anyway, it's uh, Jay Freakins on Twitter. Sorry I don't have anything to report uh, that's very interesting on uh, the wealthy individual that's been part of this podcast, uh, Carl. Just nothing interesting has happened there. Um, and in other news, as I mentioned, I'll be looking for work of one kind or another. Uh, that'll be hysterical because I'm old. Also, the guy that hired me into advertising where I had a 10-year run uh, just died, so I'm sorry to see that. But he got into his mid-80s, so good for him. Speaking of jobs, here's one uh, that I happen to find. Our freelancer grave tending program is a general labor freelance position. When a customer orders a service, the order is then put into our system and becomes available for any freelancer in the area to claim and carry out. When the work is done and a photo is taken, the freelancer gets paid for the work. Our optional brand ambassador program is a promotional program. We will give you a promotional discount code along with some marketing material to use. The more effort put into promoting Heaven's Made, the bigger the payout. When a customer uses your promotional code, you will earn 10% of whatever that customer purchased. As a freelance grave tender, we will give you access to our app available on Apple and Android devices, which will allow you to claim jobs within and up to a 50 mile radius. Upon completion of a grave cleaning, you will receive $21 and an additional $7.50 for a flower delivery, if applicable. You will need to supply yourself with common household items to complete the cleaning. Training materials will be provided. A typical cleaning takes 5 to 15 minutes for the standard flat grave marker so you can see the potential income possibilities for multiple markers in one cemetery. Note that you will not be hired in as a Heaven's Made employee. You will be an independent contractor. This is not an hourly position. You will be getting paid per order, not per hour. Yeah. First of all, I want you to imagine uh, being a brand ambassador in this kind of outfit. I, I don't know what you do. Do you... You find people at the cemetery, I guess, and they're taking care of the the marker. Not that I've ever actually seen that. And you go up to them and say, hey, it's kind of a pain in the ass taking care of the dead folks, isn't it? You know, uh, there's a service that can take care of that for you, and it's as easy as going to your phone. Or do you just randomly strike up a conversation with strangers, you know, at a bar? And it's, oh, it's a great day, isn't it? Oh, sorry, I was late getting into the bar. I was off cleaning my... Uh, my uh, my loved one's marker, her grave marker, and gosh, you know, even when they're dead, they're a pain in the ass, huh? You know, you got a dead person. I, there's, I found, I've heard about this great service. You know, you can get people to go clean up the the marker for you, and it's not a problem at all for you anymore. You just pay them a nominal fee. It's almost nothing. You know, I think like about the cost of a pizza. They'll go clean that thing up and send you a picture of a nice clean grave, so you feel better. The dead person feels better. And uh, life goes on easy. It's as close as your phone. Dear God. But the whole thing sounds sort of like it might be a great premise for a Stephen King treatment. As you might be able to tell, I've been watching a a lot of comedy, a lot of comedy specials. And then uh, there's a new show. I don't know how new it is, but it's called Crashing on HBO. It's uh, Pete Holmes is in it. And I think Judge Apatow produced it produces it. Uh, it's really fun. Uh, one of the segment I saw included uh, comedian Emo Phillips. He had this, this great little line. 
woman like courtesy on a date, that's so important. I got in trouble once on a date. I didn't open the car door for her. <laughs> Instead, I just swam for the surface. <laughs> So I thought of maybe like a little addendum for that, so leave it to me to think of an addendum to one of the great comedians of all time. Uh, and I haven't even done an open mic yet, so. <laughs> but maybe that wouldn't be an addendum or something like that. But you know, I never learned, and but it turns out that women are just, you cannot figure them out. I went on another date, and again, I forgot to open the door. But this time, after I swam to the surface a few minutes later she comes up and she's all over me and she's I don't know if this is a little lewd but she was so wet so and now I got uh, one more thing I want to leave you with this was a newscast that was on uh, just last week and I was it was so odd to me and I, I saved the clip for you here you go a murder mystery unfolding in DeKalb County tonight after a horrific discovery in a public park. Police say maintenance workers discovered a burned body near a dumpster. We're told that dumpster was also damaged by fire. The disturbing find made at the Southeast Athletic Complex on Hillville Road this morning. The complex had to be closed for the day as investigators worked the scene. Uh, regular park goers tell us this kind of discovery there is very unusual. I think it's actually terrible. That kind of stuff don't normally happen. We come to this park a lot. We never heard nothing yeah. like that happen here. Investigators aren't saying yet whether the body was that of a man or a woman or whether it was burned at the park. Police ask anyone with information to give them a call. Okay, a couple of things here. Uh, God, this is just awful. But it's it's so dark. It's, there's just something odd to me. It's, you find a burned body in a dumpster, and in the same sentence you put in, the dumpster was also damaged. Okay. I, you know, there's the value of human life, and there's the value of the dumpster, and you're putting them in the same sentence, and it's just kind of horrifying to me. Then there's the weird reassurance from the regular park goers that this kind of thing doesn't usually happen around here. <laughs> well, it's good to know. Nice. We don't usually find burned bodies in our dumpsters. Uh, so, yeah, this is unusual. Mm -hmm. And then the last part is uh, police ask anybody with any knowledge of this to give them a call. Like, they'd have to be reminded by the news that, uh, you know, I saw somebody throwing a flaming body into a dumpster the other day, and I, I, that was a little odd. Maybe I should call the police. I just thought the whole thing was weird. But... The dumpster was also damaged. That poor newscaster, he did as, as good as he could do. He did as well as he could do. Uh, reading that uh, without making it sound too weird. I don't know how else you could deal with the inflection of your voice to try to get past that without sounding weird. But, you know, kudos to him. So, uh, lastly, I'm going to sign out with uh, another track from the album that I pulled from Digital Distribution. Just as a little soundtrack thing, because it's mine and it's free. And I can use it. Uh, if you have anything you want to contribute to the podcast, you can call me and leave a message at 762-847-0620, 762-847-0620, or I'm on Twitter as jfreakins, J-F-R-E-K-I-N-S, which is not like the name is actually spelled with J-frickin with an I, but anyway, there it is. 
Um, also on Instagram, but don't do much there. Anyway, until next time, I'm amazed that, uh, that I can continue with this podcast. And I'm amazed if you got this far listening to it. So thank you for that. Carry on my Let my hair blow in the breeze. But I couldn't bring my belongings.